3: He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he
4: rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio
0: Network. Welcome to another edition of Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour or more as we discuss everything racing from the past week and the coming week. Uh, before we get started, I want to introduce you to the panel. Uh, first and foremost, Mr. Gray Warren, who's always with us. He's off on assignment. Believe it or not, Gray actually coaches uh, baseball, and he's there involved in the American Legion world series so uh gray we wish your team well um and we'll have you back on next week but i do have uh, richard Uden in the house with me richard from richard Childress racing and former uh formerly of williams formula one richard good evening how are you
4: i'm very good thanks yourself
0: doing excellent doing excellent um once again seth Eggert, the nascar correspondent for motorsports tribune uh is in the studio with us seth good to talk to you tonight
5: good to talk to you
0: all right, all right. We have two special guests in the house tonight, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to their story later, but introduce you to them first. Uh, first off, I've got Dave Thompson, Dave's the vice president of the Challenge Cup Series, uh, and uh, his series is going to be at Pocono this coming weekend, uh, running support races uh, on the uh, Verizon IndyCar Series weekend. So, David, welcome to the show. How are you?
3: Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Hey, no problem. And also, Jack Maloney, who was uh, the, the young, promising driver, won a ton of races. I don't know, Jack, Jackie used to be young. You're, what, 40 now?
2: Uh, I'm approaching it.
0: You're approaching it, yeah. Jack, Jack drives for Maloney Racing. Um, and you guys have uh, a bunch of cars entered for this weekend at Pocono, don't
2: you? Uh, we sure do. We try to get
0: out as many as we can. Excellent. So uh, we'll look forward to, to uh, talking to you guys about the Challenge Cup, uh, about Formula V, about the other series uh, that run there um, a little later in the show. Uh, first off, I want to start off with uh, with a non-racing-related note. Um, uh, you know, the Hoobazoo Radio Network family sh- is much more than just drafting the circuits, and, and one of our, some of our other channels, they... Uh, they promote uh, fighting, uh, music, and these and uh, the polit- the, there's the political shows on there. But uh, our producer Keith Hayes, um, you remember you'll know him as Sinister One. Uh, he was uh, announcing a MMA fight that Hubazoo was promoting, um, and unfortunately, at, at, after that fight, um, the fighter named Rondell Clark um, TKO'd in the round, and then later that evening was pronounced dead so uh, you know our condolences go out to uh, his family his friends his fans um just a sad note um but uh, with that being said we'll move on we'll start off with nascar like we always do so um richard um when we did the picks last week i left kyle larson uh, out there and and you snapped it up so uh you got kyle larson you know this this young man has proved to be Oh, the master of Michigan and, and the master of the two milers um, in all, you know, having one at uh, Fontana earlier this year. So uh, um, good pick, Richard. Um, Seth?
4: Oh. <laughs> I'd like to think it was a poor remission on your part rather than a good pick on mine.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I picked uh, Logano. And, um, you know, I, I picked w- Chase. You pick Chase, yeah, so, but we can, you know, we can uh, talk about how poorly or how well our picks did. But, uh, from the racing standpoint, um, we saw the Penske cars start from the front row and, again, you know, kind of fail to close a deal. You know, I was thinking about this, you know, Brad and Joey have both been fast, uh, all year long, but, uh, yeah, Brad hasn't won a, a race since, what, Phoenix? He hasn't been able to, uh, to, I mean, he's solidly in the chase with two wins, but, uh, uh, you know, here we are. The Toyotas are coming on strong. We had some talk about the, are the Toyota sandbagging, are you know are the Fords dominant? And of course, we have a Chevrolet win the race. So, uh, Seth, what are your thoughts coming out of uh, coming out of Michigan?
5: Well, we may have had a Chevrolet win the race, but if you think about it, he only led two laps. Kyle Larson, and that was on the last restart. He made essentially a daredevil move. Uh, up the middle uh, to split Eric Jones and uh, Martin Truex Jr., which the two of them essentially dominated the race for Giroux Racing. Uh, I want to say Truex led about 52 laps or so out of 200. And really, Toyota, even though they haven't won as many races as they probably should have, all three manufacturers are about even with the win so far this season. Again, if you uh basically go and put uh all the cautions, fuel mileage, everything that they should have won, they probably would have two to three times the number of wins that they have right now.
0: Yeah, but but they don't. They don't. I mean you've gotta you've gotta be there when the checker flag is there. I mean you could say Kyle exactly. Kyle Larson only led two laps, but one of those laps was the one that mattered. You know? Um, exactly.
5: And Uh, The race, to a certain point, was kind of bland, Uh, and I'm not trying to uh, knock NASCAR in any way, but it was a very clean race, uh, went caution-free almost, aside from the two stages and a blown motor by Derek Cope, until about 10 laps ago for a debris caution, when Joey Logano cut down the tire. Uh, Otherwise, it was essentially the Toyota show, where it was Kyle Busch, who pitted... Too early on one of the stages and had to go to the back, and Martin Jones Jr. and Eric Jones, even Suarez, was up front leading until uh, him and Casey Kane got together, which that was a kind of weird wreck if you think about it because neither driver really knew how to describe what happened.
0: Yeah, usually that's uh, the stuff that happens to Danica, but... uh so <laughs> <laughs> but i digress yeah so but let's say so truex blew the last restart right on a wheel spin or or so they say so now this has prompted a conspiracy theory which i read on one very non-credible website that uh, truex uh threw the race in order to not have uh, nascar impound the toyotas after the right. race which goes back to brad saying they were dialing it back
4: um you know, so they wouldn't Where did Truex finish?
5: Second.
4: Well, they impound that car anyway. Yeah. They take the first place car, second place car, and a random. So if you're going to finish second, you might as well win. So that, and, that's, yeah, I know.
0: But well, like I said, this is all, it's all so silly. You know that 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 we're having these conversations, and then then I read another article. I think it was a Matt Weaver article that NASCAR fooled everybody because they weren't going to impound cars after Michigan anyway. So
5: I don't remember the last time NASCAR announcing that they were going to. In one sense,
0: well, you know, actually, uh, it, actually it was Kozlowski that announced they yeah. going to Do that. So you know what I mean? It's all. It's it's you could tell. It's almost. Uh, it's almost. I want to say chase time, but I guess we have to call it playoff time. Much as I d- disagree with that terminology, <laughs> that, um, uh, yeah, there were. There's a lot of mind games, a lot of mental mind games going on. So, uh, but uh, so, Richard, what were your thoughts out of Michigan? You know, Seth, Seth thought the race was quite bland. I I find it hard to disagree. What were your thoughts? I will tell
4: you, the, the biggest. Um surprised that well, i just i unfortunately i didn't catch most of the race so i was just uh earlier this week looking through all the sort of statistical analysis that we get of each race and it's interesting the comments that you has been, been making about kislowski but there was a clear point there during that race where on a strategy call he could have pitted and got ahead of truex going into the final stint if he'd taken two tires or fuel only and probably had the pace and the car to stay ahead of Truex. Looking at the, the historical data from how you know a, a two-car or a two-tire stop uh, worked out, and for a team that you know, in all fairness, I don't think there's any secret here. You know, the two-car is normally the de facto car for st- strategy analysis. There's not many times they get beaten on strategy, and they got it wrong this week they really really did and we were surprised uh looking at some of the reports um that that we get produced it was like why didn't they stop when they had an opportunity it didn't make sense you know they were um and brad's great at this you watch brad in especially in the xfinity races he almost calls the race himself he doesn't need a crew chief or a spotter he's like a you know a strategy engineer in his own mind sat in the car he's really really sharp and really on the ball with a lot of these things. So that was my biggest takeaway and away from this weekend was, you know, that was a really missed opportunity for them. Um, another thing that would have been interesting is if we hadn't had that late race caution and the opportunity for Larson to uh, get between the two furniture row cars, would Truex have let Eric Jones win? That's an interesting con- uh you know, to get two to cars into get,
0: the game. Yeah, yeah, do a, do a little um, uh, Michael Waltrip there
4: yeah i mean and is that you know in that scenario where you've got a car running first and second is that you know manipulating the result i think my personal opinion is if you've got two cars in that position running as strongly as they do you've earned the right to call the result there i think i don't think you're uh, you know
5: uh, and i will be honest uh sorry if i cut you off Richard, no, no no go ahead but i actually got about two or three different texts uh right before the last restart all saying the same thing team orders question mark
4: yeah that was maybe that was his poor restart was actually to try and let eric jones ahead of him but they really you know they, they shot themselves in the foot there by uh, neither of them having a good restart i don't know maybe that, that's the conspiracy theory i guess but yeah uh, I mean,
0: we can you know nascar's always you know riddled with conspiracy theories and and you know, compared, black
4: helicopters. Black and,
0: helicopters that compared to the World Wrestling Entertainment Federation, you know. Um, but here's one thing that boggles the mind for me because uh, we're we're talking about the you know, car count for next year, right? It, uh, <coughs> you know, there's some rumors floating around that there may not be a, the uh, 77 car. They may not be able to fund the car. There's which- an
4: interesting sorry, just there's an interesting point on that in that um, if. Now, my understanding, and i may be wrong here, and you guys may know a little bit more about this, there's an agreement in place that 5-Hour Energy, if they want to stay in, has to stay with the 77 car. They can't pull out or go to a different car and come back again because of the competing against Monster as a brand. So if, uh, if five-hour range you want to stay in, I believe the 77 car has to run next year. I may be uh, wrong in yeah, saying that, but, but that's well, some of the...
5: Well, uh, there is one car they can move to because they're also on the 78 for a handful of races.
0: Okay. Right. That, that that was what I heard. They were going to move the five-hour over to the 78, and they may have to fold the 77. But as I look at this thing, right, and, and we've talked about the economics of racing quite a bit you know, over the last several weeks. It's like... As good as this team is, right? You've got you know, Truex is the most prolific winner there, right? You know, uh, and they they can't bring somebody on board to, uh, to, you know, to fund the second car. It boggles the mind, you know. But but as you look at, you know, we've talked about it week in and week out. All these larger consumer based uh, sponsors are kind of leaving leaving motorsports uh, sponsorships in droves. You know, if you look at uh, IndyCar, almost every sponsor out there except for perhaps, you know, Menards or Verizon or Fuzzy's Vodka are not consumer products. They're business-to-business relationships. And you're seeing more and more of that creep up in NASCAR, you know, with uh, you know Fitzgerald Glider Kits. That's a business-to-business thing there. Um, Exalta. Um, Dow. Dow, yeah, yeah. Some of these others. So... You know, I just it just boggles the mind at how well Furniture Row runs, right? And how good that uh, their young driver is. <laughs> Even though the the he's uh, moving on next year, they can't find somebody to sign on at least part time to keep that car on the track.
4: Well, well, how much how much money do they get from you know Gibbs to run Eric Jones? Because he's contracted as a Gibbs driver, isn't he? And he always has been, and that was all part of the deal. And there. That was just uh, almost a fifth car for for Joe Gibbs Racing to enable right. him to well, run. So and they, they the also, shows a lot they, of funding comes that way. Yeah, well,
0: they also get crew members from Gibbs as well. You
4: know, uh, they, yes, and they can yeah. suspend them as well whenever they're... Yeah, happy. that's, yeah. uh, that's three-week-old
0: news, Richard.
4: I know, sorry, but it still, <laughs> so, still makes me laugh. It does. But, it, uh, it's funny, so...
5: But at the same time, we do have a few sponsors that are coming into the sport... Here and there, sometimes it's just a one off. Sometimes it's just them being rumored about coming in. Uh, take Darrell Wallace Jr.'s sponsor this weekend. It's a one off, or this past weekend, it was a one off uh, Maestro's Beard Cream. And that hey, came. Hey,
0: Jack, do, yes. you, do you use that, Maestro's Beard Cream?
2: Um, I use a lot of different beard
0: creams. I haven't tried
2: Maestro's <laughs> yet. <laughs>
0: It just made me think of you when he said my show's beard cream. So.
5: <laughs> and if if I remember the story correctly that I was told, he ended up getting that sponsor from help with Austin Dillon. Uh, Richard, do you know anything about that?
4: I don't, I'm afraid. No, uh, I know Austin thinks of himself as a bit of a stylish guy. <laughs> um, and he's never far away from a camera. But uh, no, I'm not uh, n- not sure on that one.
5: But moving on, uh also we like I said last week, Nick Lodian was expressing interest in sponsoring Bubba at uh the Chicagoland race because of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie sponsorship deal that they have. But also after his win in the truck series, uh he went out and celebrated at Domino's Pizza and apparently that went viral, and now Domino's is looking at uh, ways of possibly getting involved. With you know,
0: interesting enough, you know, Domino's Pizza has a, a, a long history of uh, motorsport sponsorship. You know, they years ago they were the title sponsor for the um, the uh IndyCar race at Pocono um, back in the '80s, and obviously, you know, you've seen them on the Doug Shearson car back then, and. And uh, Ari Leindyke, uh you know, won the uh, the Indy 500 with it in a Domino's car. Little Al used to run the Domino's car. So man, it'd be great to see Domino's back in there. Um, you know, I that would be great because there there are too many marketing types right now who feel that motor racing sponsorships does not support their brand somehow, and this is why companies like Target are ex- exiting. Right? It's it's why the Series, the title sponsorship for the IndyCar, Verizon is looking at maybe we won't see Verizon next year or, or year after next in IndyCar. After that, uh, the first part of that contract expires because they've got a new CEO looking at a different way to uh, move things. So, you know, I don't know, you know, what the answer is. Um, again, you know, like, like Gray and I were talking last week. You know, you remember back in the day when they called the Bush Series the uh, the Supermarket Series. Because it was every every consumer brand you could think of on a grocery store shelf was on a on a Bush Series car. So, um, but uh, you know, I, I hope to gosh that to number one somebody will put their name on that 77, keep it on the track. I hope that um, Richard, you guys can keep that 27 on the track, and I hope that uh, you know somebody says, hey, Darrell Walls Jr. deserves a ride in a Cup car.
5: And I agree with that wholeheartedly. But going back to his win, that was like I said, that was a one-off deal. That was MDM Motorsports' their first win as a truck team. Uh, they've had in that truck Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, Brandon Jones, Chase Elliott, Tim D Peters, and that's just five names right off of my, the, he, my, the top of my head that have not won in that truck either last year or this year for that team. And the first driver to earn a win for them is Daryl Wallace Junior.
4: But is he the only one of that group that actually had a point to prove and needed to put on a show?
0: Doesn't every driver have a point to prove every time he's behind the wheel of a car?
4: Um, sometimes, yes, sometimes no. I mean, I mean unless you're,
0: unless you're Lewis Hamilton, you know.
4: Well, yeah, exactly. You know. Um, uh, you
0: <laughs> say, no, you I know anybody sometimes... that's you know, that just doesn't have the Anybody that wants to advance to the next level, I, I, you know, I, I don't know, Richard. I just, I'm just poo pooing your yeah, argument. Yeah, I. I, I,
4: argument I, I that, that, you're uh, but if you're a, a cup regular with a secure drive and hop, a secure hopping in a,
0: hopping in a truck, yeah, I got you, I got you. Well,
4: income, you know, you, you know, okay, yeah, you, know, you keep the sponsors happy and all that sort of stuff, but you know, are you just going through the motions, really? You know, does it really get your blood going? Uh, well, you know, maybe maybe the Eldora race does because it's something a little yeah, bit or different. Thai. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, uh...
0: speaking of, okay, speaking of, of, uh, short track racing, uh, I do want to mention that, uh. You know Kyle Larson, who happened to win in Michigan. You know, had a great uh, had a great weekend down in Knoxville. running the Knoxville Nationals. Chip, Chip Ganassi uh, let his driver loose to go ahead and do that. And and man, it was a great event. It's always a great event. But uh, man, the fans down there had a great time. Um, I saw all kind of uh, pictures and snaps and this from uh, different fans. Stuff how you know Kyle Larson was out there engaged with the fans. Um, you know, just, just a fantastic time trying to get, uh, you know, his name out there. And he's, he just, he just wants to race, you know? So, I mean, what what are your thoughts on uh, Kyle Larson? And they actually asked him after Michigan that, right. They asked Chip Ganassi, he says, uh, the reporter asked him in a press conference, Hey, what do you think about putting this kid in the Indy 500? And Chip Ganassi's answer was, uh, anybody else here have a question? <laughs> you know, Chip, Chip said, yeah, Chip said that's a good question. Does anybody else have a question? But I mean, I, you know, Kyle Larson.
1: a voice of a winner.
0: Look at this guy as, you know, he's got, he's got a lot of, uh, Tony Stewart in him, right? Yep. You know, so I, I, get, I get, I could see this kid going places and, uh, you know, I, I just, I remember the old days, you know, um, Gray's not here to be old as old as me to remember it all, <laughs> where we, uh, <laughs> you know, you saw your kale, kale, Yarboroughs come over to, uh, to Indy. And you saw your Mario Andretti's and AJ Foyce go over to Daytona. Um, And there was just so much crossover, and now there's so little that whenever it does happen, it sparks a big buzz. I mean, and I think, you know, Kyle Larson is the next guy to kind of do this.
5: Uh, I agree that Larson will probably be the next guy to do this. I mean, if you think about it for Larson, uh, he finished second to Donnie Schatz in the Knoxville Nationals. And the hashtag, let Kyle raise, is still going strong. I mean, that is a number that anyone can quantify. You can go to Twitter, and uh, I'm sure there's a way of finding out how many people use that hashtag. And his team is still sponsorless going into next year, if you think about it.
0: Right, and and, and on the other side of the Ganassi operation, you've got Scott Dixon running with uh, you know, Tony Kanaan's sponsor. You know, in a limited role, while they bring G in a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's it's odd that you got uh, you know both Scott Dixon and Kyle Larson looking at next year with uh, well, golly, you know, Target was good for for a while, but uh, but nobody's stepping up to jump in, you know. So it's a sign of the times, uh, economics. Uh, it, it's it's sad, but it's true. So what's the word Seth? That. Uh, Amazon is going to jump on board for Kyle Larson. I, have, you heard, heard, have you heard that rumor?
5: I have heard that rumor. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, the main competitor for Amazon that is in the series right now would actually, if you think about it, be Hulu on Jeffrey Earnhardt's car. Because Amazon Prime Video is one of the main competitors to Hulu. And... Whether or not that would bring in companies maybe like Netflix or uh, Crackle or any of the other streaming services, who knows? I mean, you had Walmart do a one-off race like six or seven years ago with Bill Elliott. You have Target, another one of Amazon's competitors, leaving the team that they're rumored to be joining. So that would be a PR coup for them. Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely would. But, you know, they, I guess they've just got to get in there and see what kind of, you know, value it adds to their brand, you know. Um, you know, Target had been racing for oh, close to 30 years, right? And then suddenly they decided that the auto racing sponsorship didn't add value to their brand. Or, you know, but I, as I look, as I look at this thing, I mean, what did, what did Target do to, you know, if I walk into Target store, right, do I see a giant Scott Nixon poster or? Dario Franchitti or, or you know, or Eddie Cheever before him. You know, it's, I, you know, but um, I don't know. <coughs> I don't want to get into a lengthy discussion about uh, auto racing sponsorships because we did it last week. But real quick, um, Sam Hornish, another fill-in driver for the Weekend One in Mid-Ohio. And Richard, I want to throw this question at you because I really enjoy the Xfinity cars when they hit the road courses. They, seem mm-hmm. to do, they do a solid job at Watkins Glen. They, they look great at Road America. They look, they look okay at Sonoma. But at Mid-Ohio always seems to be the sloppiest flipping race they do. I mean, is it, is it, is it the track? Is it the, the drivers? I mean, is it the fact that we don't have the cup guys on there? Um, I mean, what is it about Mid-Ohio that seems to be make for such a sloppy uh, Xfinity race where we see that nobody can keep it off the grass?
4: It's crazy, isn't it? I, I, I really can't give any, you know a definitive answer on that. It's, it's not the most challenging. I mean, it's it is a challenging circuit. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as challenging as or, you know. It's up there on a level with with Road America and and, and Watkins Glen and, and and the places like that. But um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, is it that they're you know separate from the Cup Series and they don't maybe have all the backing of the cup drivers, a lot of the top drivers um, aren't, you know, so it's like at Watkins Glen, for example, there's obviously a lot of cup drivers that will will race in the Xfinity, which, which maybe reduces the opportunity for some of the uh, more inconsistent drivers to take part, uh, you know, not saying that they... You know, the field is dumbed down at mid-Ohio and uh, what you're going to see in Road America in a few weeks when, uh, again, they're separate from the uh, Cup Series. I, I really can't give a definitive answer. It was maybe that they don't think people are watching them and they get a little bit leery out there and, uh, you know, they can uh, feel like they can, you know, stick the nose up, in the, up the inside a little bit where they, they may not on a normal uh, normal situation. I I really don't know. But it makes great watching, doesn't it?
0: It does, yeah. I really enjoyed yeah. watching
4: it. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and I enjoyed seeing Sam Hornish win in his home state, too. You know, uh, you know, Sam, who is really pretty happy this day and age, being a substitute teacher and a full-time dad and part-time driver, you know. And, and just, uh, I mean, last year he hopped in the car in Iowa, won the thing. This year, hops in the car in mid-Ohio, wins this thing. Man, good for Sam. But uh,
4: not, Yeah, not, he was in... I believe he was in one of our xfinity cars last year at mid-ohio and and pretty much dominated in the rain but didn't uh, didn't get the deal done in the end unfortunately
0: no no not quite it was uh justin mark's one last year but yeah uh, think, sam was think, right there at the end so but now now dave um you've got a comment or a question here on the the mid-ohio
3: sure um so just back to um driving a place like mid-ohio um you know the Challenge Cup series was actually at Mid Ohio back on the prior the July Fourth weekend, and we actually got to run the course, and we spent three days there. And I, the one thing I gotta make a comment about Mid Ohio um, is if you don't hit your marks, you know it can be messy. Um, it's a place where passing can be limited with cars of that size and cars of that nature. So you, I believe that you can find um, cars like that, trying to put their noses in places that they shouldn't be. And it can cause, um, things to happen on course that you might not see in a place like road America, just due to the size of the track, so on and so forth. Um, so I do, I do have to, because of, you know, myself and Jack both drove mid Ohio and both of us did fairly well. Um, you know, and it, it is a place where, you know, you really got to put your nose in there because it is a club racing track. You know, if you see those Indy cars out there or those NASCARs, um, you can tell they eat up a lot of that race course. You know, just because of how big they are and so forth. So it can get sloppy with cars being aggressive and so forth. And I will also I also add this: the place is pretty slippery. Um, you know, it can if you go down into Thunder Valley and up oh, down through Madness and all of those great places at mid um, It can it can really jump out and get you. So it's a it's a really cool course. And I'll add that. And then I have one comment um i noticed i was looking at the results just prior to um you know you guys talking about this and i noticed that i don't and i don't know if this is a common theme for the xfinity series because i'm not a huge follower of it but i noticed that ford took the overall win with sam hornish but the next ford in place was back in 20th with a driver by the name of tim cowan um has that been common for ford to struggle like that through um at places like mid-ohio or is that a common struggle throughout the year
5: well the thing is there's only three full-time fords in the xp series
3: gotcha okay and then
5: you have a handful of underfunded teams that from week to week will either run a ford a chevy a toyota or as we like to call them zombie dodges okay
0: zombie dodges
5: (laughs) well (laughs) well when was the last time dodge was in nascar Right, it's been
0: a while, been a while.
5: Right, so right. it just uh, only three full time or truly full time Xfinity Fords: the team Penske twenty two, uh, the number sixteen of Ryan Reed, and the number double zero of Cole Custer. Okay, the, se- the seventy eight. I want to say in previous weeks has been a Chevy at some races or a Ford at others.
3: Okay, cool, cool. Appreciate the advice. Appreciate the info. Good.
0: All right, so but, uh, no, go ahead, Seth. But, you had a comment?
5: I was, I was going to say, I do want to also give props to Andy Lally. Uh, in Bobby Daughters, 07, underfunded team, finished fifth, his first career NASCAR top five ever. And also Carl Long's two cars finished in the top 20. Uh, 18th for, uh, I want to say Enrique Baca, who is from the NASCAR Mexico series. Making his second career start in the Xfinity Series, and I, as uh, as David said, Tim Cowan uh, finished twentieth in one of the other Carl Long cars, which that team has never placed both of its cars in the top twenty in its uh, I think six year history.
0: Well, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Absolutely, you know. So you got you got to start 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 at the bottom and work your way <laughs> up to the to the top for sure. So, um, guys, let's. Um, if there's if there's nothing else, crushing
2: with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: we need to talk about with NASCAR. Let's kind of move along because I want to give David and Jack uh, some time to talk about the uh, Challenge Cup Series, because I'm, I'm really excited for these guys, and I'm really excited for their big weekend at Pocono coming up. So uh, before we do, we'll go around the water cooler, make our picks for Bristol. It's Bristol, baby. And uh, I want to give our guests the first pick. So, uh, Jack, I'm going to put you on a spot, and who you like for Bristol? Oh. Huh. I couldn't even begin to guess. Okay, well, so <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. Name an NASCAR driver,
3: <laughs> and uh, tell you if he's still around. <laughs> Just throw it up in the air, buddy. I know who I'm picking. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm going with good old Mister Reliable.
0: <laughs> Who's your Mister Reliable?
3: That would be Mister Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> All
0: right, so so Dave, you've got Jimmy Johnson. Jack, yeah. do you want us to go around and come back to you? Sure. Okay, um, <laughs> Seth. Seth, you get the next pick.
5: Well, I'm gonna go with someone who might be starting to become a little bit desperate. I'm gonna say Joey Logano.
0: Oh, God. oh! You just stole my yeah. pick. You just stole my pick. I'm mine. And oh. yours, okay. That was
3: Jack's too. How'd you guys know? I know man! Like,
0: well, I, I picked Joey for the last three weeks, and he still hadn't done that. So, um, all right, <laughs> Richard, who you like besides Joe oh, Logano?
4: Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Give me a minute on this one. Matt Kenseth.
0: Yeah, Kenseth. That's a good pick, man. He's he's right there on the bubble. You got a couple guys on the bubble, Kenseth, uh McMurray, um, who are the other bubble guys, Seth?
5: Chase Elliott. Chase, Finn yeah. Boyer.
0: Finn Boyer, yeah. Yeah, so, and all Eric right. Jones. And Eric Jones. All right. So so Richard, you've got Matt Kenseth. Yep. And Jack, back to you. I'll go with Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson for Bristol, not a bad pick. And me, I will, since y'all. Left him there for me. I'll take my boy Brad Keselowski, um, and uh, we'll move on. Um, so the Indy cars are at Pocono this weekend. So, but before the IndyCars run, the Challenge Series, or is the, is the Challenge Series Challenge Cup?
2: Yeah, Challenge Cup Series.
0: The Challenge Cup Series uh, will be there en route, and and David, you're the vice president of the series so um you know you know do our viewers a favor just uh give us a couple minutes tell us about the series what you guys are are bringing to the sport where else we can see your race and um dave i'm just going to throw it to you
3: all right great um again thanks for having myself and jack um on the show we really appreciate it um so um the challenge Cup series um actually was started about four years ago now i'd say um, by three or four guys out of the northeast that were um, they were primarily running like um, pro seCA events um, spending a ton of money on tires um, you know tr- SECA national entry fees so on and so forth so what they decided was the one thing that was really deterring all motor, all forms of motor racing, especially at the club level, really was tire cost. So what they did is they simply adopted um, a tire series, a tire package that was that's been in use in Canada um, for years. Um, I don't know exactly what year it really started in Canada. Jack, do you know by any chance how no, long it was going in Canada?
2: No, it's it's been quite a while, but I'm
3: not yeah, sure. 10, exactly years, um, yeah, ten, fifteen years. We it don't be, know. It could be more. Yep, they use a. They were using a um, an aluminum wheel with a um, Falcon radial tire, um, seeing somewhere in the range of two to three years per season on this set of tires. Um, and the tires were costing anywhere from three to 400 bucks a set. So, I mean, it was an absolute savings. Um, it really turned, um, these guys at with, you know, with Dean Curtis and Ray Carmody, these guys that are in the Northeast really pushing this series. Um, it really attracted them to wanting to try this pack, this tile package. So they went ahead, they created this series, um, You know, last this year, we're up to, um, you know, a total of 43 members, but we're seeing anywhere from 15 to 25 cars. I don't think we've had a race this year where we had under 20 cars on track um, for all sessions. Um, and that's the biggest thing. Right now, the Challenge Cup Series is the largest Formula V group, um, in the, in the country right now. We're putting on the largest races, really even in open wheel racing in the country right now. Um, uh, we're pulling car counts of 20 to 25, um, cars per weekend. Um, and we're doing it at a cost savings to the drivers. You know, again, this is grassroots motorsports and it's grassroots racing. And one of the things the Challenge Cup Series does is it, um, you know, that's what it promotes. It promotes cost savings, it promotes driving these incredible tracks. Um, you know, places like Watkins Glen, Mid Ohio. We've driven um, Pittsburgh. We were at Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. Um, we're going to the Glen for the fun one later this year in September. Um, we're going to be at Pocono again, like, um, like Frank's, like you said, Frank, um, this upcoming weekend. But again, the challenge club series is solely focused on cost savings and the, the true root of racing, which is club racing. Um, we're, we're using, um, technology from the 1950s. We're using formula Vs, which are basically 55 to 62 Volkswagen Beetles. Um, I believe we take the, Final drive or the reverse gear, flip it over and turn it into a mid engine car. Um, You know, um, we're using single carbureted 1200cc Volkswagen motors. Um, Most of the frames are all custom built. Um, There are a couple suppliers out there. Um, you know, we have the warmer race cars, we have the protoforms, we have, um, Jack's car, for instance, is a 1982 Lynx, you know, and that car is just as competitive now, um, as it's ever been. So, um, it really provides the grassroots guys, a outlet to use these cars. Um, so that's kind of the gist of the series. Um, we run anywhere from five to six races a year. Um, we're at Pocono this upcoming weekend with the IndyCar series. Um, and I'll lead into that a little bit. Um, so this weekend we'll actually be running as a support group in exhibition form for the IndyCar series. Um, we're going to be running with a group called classic racing times, which, um, they use, they actually promote vintage indie cars. So, I mean, you're talking in some of the coolest indie cars from back in the, you know, back in the '60s and '70s, you know, the ones that take a half an hour to 45 minutes just to get fired up, you know, um, those kind of indie cars. So they'll be out on the road course section with us. Um, we're going to be letting some guests use our cars, you know, sponsors. Um, we have some crew guys that we're hoping can get behind the wheel of our cars and drive them through the road. Um, there's going to be some mock racing, and to be honest, all of this is in hopes that eventually the Challenge Cup Series, you know, could potentially get its own race with IndyCar um, or with classic racing times, and um, really, you know, get this thing on the map again and get grassroots uh, racing back out to, um, you know, back out to the spectators and make sure that they understand that it's still out there and it's still thriving. So that's kind of the gist of it. Um, Jack, do you got anything you want to add to that?
2: Um, yeah, I mean we've uh, we've seen a, a growth through the years since the since the series has started. Um, you know, guys that have kept the gra- their cars in the garage have started to bring them out more. And you know, as Dave said, it, it's all grassroots, and we're kind of getting back to the basis of what Formula V started as, um, where it's not a matter of just out, out, out spend, spend other guy. Um, you know, with, with wheel and tire package it narrows the gap, you know, from the faster cars to the slower cars. Um, it's very competitive and, and you know, we have a great camaraderie. It's like family and, and every weekend, um, you know, we just, we put on a great show. We all have, you know, in some of the tracks, we, um, usually start the season up Canada at a port and, um, we bring a couple of us drivers up there. Some of the Canadian drivers will come down and race with us for the series, Um, so it's, it's just been a blast and I've been racing Formula V 15 years. I've been around it for more than 30 with my uncle and my father and my mother, um, all either racing now or having raced. And this is, you know, the most fun I've had doing it. Um, You know, it's just a good group of people and we're just going to hope it continues to grow.
0: Now, I wanted to ask you guys right now. I've now, Jack, you and I have known each other all your life. Um, you know, for listeners, Jack is my cousin. The, the uncle that he speaks of is my Uncle Huey, who was the guy that introduced me to racing. And uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, kind of well-versed in your team. But what, what I want to say is, like, the, the original Formula V format uh, for SCCA uh, – it's been around for a long time. It is there are guys with names like Rick Mears who started in Formula V. There are guys with names like Michael Andretti that started in the Formula V. Um but one of those the the things about the cars that you had to have stock Volkswagen parts, right? From a particular era of type one Volkswagen, including the engine block and suspension components. And there cannot be that many more of uh, those components around, are are some of those parts made by, um, you know, third-party after manufacturers now, especially when it comes to the uh, the engine blocks and the um, suspension
1: pieces. of a winner
2: well as far as i know you know if if there's a shortage in parts um they will look elsewhere um you know it's still pretty much the same that they started with um but you know as you said there's there are some shortages and there they'll start to make some rule changes but it's still pretty much the same as it's been um you know there are guys that have been doing this for a long time and hoarding a bunch of parts and we've got some forums we can go to 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 try to, you know, to find stuff that that we need, um, you know, from some of the other drivers. Um, Dave may know better than I do as far as any third-party manufacturers, um, but it's, you know, it's still – Pretty
3: much the old Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that, Jack. Um, I mean, we're still, you know, Frank, we're still using the the same drum setup that we've used for the past, you know, fifty or sixty years. I mean, we're running with drum brakes. Um, every weekend, you'll see the guys laying on the ground at the front wheel, you know, adjusting those adjusters just to get those brakes up just enough to where, you know, under full brake, you know, they're getting maximizing the shoe. You know, um, we're still doing those things every weekend. Um, we're still getting in there with the 4000th and adjusting the valves on those air-cooled Volkswagen motors, um, you know, where um, where some guys try to find the advantage are things like the intake manifolds and, you know, you try to get the best set of jugs and get it to flow the best and, you know, but redi- realistically, that stuff is still readily available. There's some aftermarket manufacturers for the drums and things like that, but you got to remember a lot of those cars were built, you know, millions I think of those Volkswagen Beetles were built. So some guys still got them stored in those garages where they're good enough for us to put on the race car. So
0: Nice, that is yeah, I mean, you know Heck, my first car was a Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love the fact you take four bolts off and drop the engine. You know. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I mean, this day and age, you got to unlock the computer to change the oil. So exactly. But, um, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you guys are talking to real grassroots racing, and I, I've watched a lot of formula B racing, and th- th- you guys run very little arrow on the cars, right? There, there's there's no rear wing, there's no front wing, but you. On on these speedways like Pocono, where you're using two thirds of the trioval and then the road course, when you guys get there, the form of these create an incredible draft, yeah. and uh, and you guys in a wide track like that go like five, six, seven wide, and yeah. and somebody coming from eighth place to to zip up and take the lead. So uh, yeah, uh, you know if if you know to our listeners, I mean if you haven't seen this sort of thing. It's really neat to watch. You know, Pocono is a wide track, and we've seen the IndyCars go five wide. Heck, you know, I've seen Formula V's go much wider than that. You know, and and, and everybody everybody make it into the turn. So.
3: Yeah, and and what I'll add to that, Frank, is if you have any listeners, you know they can visit the Challenge Cup Series website. It's um, obviously www.challengecupseries.com. Um, our schedule, um, our drivers profiles. I mean, everything's on there. And of course, if they just simply search Challenge Cup Series um, on Facebook or um, I believe we're also on Twitter as well. Um, Facebook is you know all of our all of our members are posting the Facebook. We're posting videos. We're posting images from the weekends um so on and so forth so i definitely um would love if the the listeners could definitely get to the challenge cup series site take a look um and you know rock and roll from there
0: absolutely man you know i you know again I, you know, I love from from the v because uh heck you know my uncle owns that team so uh so jack you guys are going into pocono right i was talking to huey the other day he was trying to see if i would um actually run a car which <laughs> I would have been so happy to if he hadn't had talked to me five days before the event. But um, so uh, talk to me a little bit about Maloney Racing, and you know I could talk about, it, but I want you to. Um, so Huey's talking like uh, he's bringing eight cars. I'm like yeah, he's almost like the uh, the Mike Landretti of Formula V with all those cars, huh?
2: Yeah. Well, he um, you know since since I was born I've been around. Racing, um, due to him and Formula V, especially. Me too. And he, yeah, he, he's always willing to let people drive the car, and he's gotten countless people involved in racing. Whether it's one time to do a hill climb, or they turn out to be a full time road racer, uh, you know, he 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 just wants to see the best for the class. Wants to see, you know, Formula V grow, and um, you know, as far as Maloney Racing, as you know. He, him and my father have been doing this a long time. Um, Like, so my mom, she started racing, too. And when I decided to get into it, it was when my mom um, was getting out, so I ended up borrowing her driver's suit and hopped in one of Huey's cars, went to a driver's school, and I haven't looked back since. Um, And, yeah, we're expecting, I think there's about eight cars that have, you know, a relation to Maloney Racing. Um, You know, Dave Thompson has been a big help uh, for me, and you know, he's definitely a, a huge part of Maloney Racing, you know, as well. And, um, you know, it's it's just, a, as I said before, it's a blast. And, um, you know, we're, like I said, Huey's the type that just, well, you know, would let anybody drive the car. So one problem we run into is uh, sometimes we don't have enough crew at a weekend because the crew eventually turn into drivers and, you know, they're out there <laughs> racing with us. Um, but it's, it's a, if you ever want to go racing, just, you know, become part of Maloney Racing Crew and, and it's a, a good place to start. You know, we can you know, obviously help you out and, and get you educated on what we do. Um, and there's usually a chance to get in a car and, you know, run a solo event or, you know, something like this where there's an exhibition. And it's been going strong. You know, they, they were doing... Um, uh, you know hill climbs 50 years ago and you know that's where it started with them and they've done different <clears> classes but for you know formula b has just stuck and you know it's just just a, a great form of racing you know competition is very close and as you're talking about going you know six seven wide you know it can go wider at a, a track like pocono and you never know. One lap, you could be first. You could be tenth the next lap. And it's, you know, at the, you know, it's just a matter of staying there. And at the finish line, it's everybody for themselves. And you're getting people, you know, winning by thousands of a second, um, hundreds of a second. So you, you can literally have, you know, three or four cars with less than a tenth of a second, you know, between them.
0: Yeah, it, it is absolutely exciting to watch. You know, some of my, you know, y- younger memories are of, of uh, you know. Going to Pocono Raceway and uh, working for the SCCA, laying cable, you know, um, for the for the microphones, uh, yeah. for, the, for the June sprints that uh, you know, good old Oscar Kowaleski from Auto World would sponsor, <laughs> and um, and are just just watching, you know, race after race, because you you've got you know Formula V, Formula Ford, uh, you got various forms of uh, showroom stock cars. Um, uh, it just all this grass sports are grassroots uh motorsports is fantastic and, and seth you you do a lot of the grassroots sports you know from the uh the oval oval track racing side so uh it's just kind of neat to talk to uh, talk about this talk about these guys but i got a really weird question for you guys though mm-hmm. so you're talking about you've got this uh, the new tire package right so you guys use a pretty hard compound tire right
2: yeah, compared to the racing slick, yeah. yeah. Compared to
0: the race slick, yeah. So, And sometimes, you know, we see the IndyCar guys share the weekend with, say, like the Truck Series, right? And there's, well, you know, it's kind of tough because there's all this Goodyear rubber on the track and we're running the Firestones, right? So you guys are at Pocono, right? And you're running your harder compounds higher and these IndyCars are running the, the full oval and you're running two thirds of the oval. And but yeah. they're they're laying down a lot of a lot of firestone rubber, uh, which is which is a very soft compound. And, I mean when you, when you're doing this and you go in the opposite direction that they are 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 you picking up a lot of stuff on the uh, tires? is it does it does it I mean, is it problematic or is it
3: i'll I'll speak on that, Jack, if that's cool, yeah, um so Frank, uh, we're actually we're not actually this weekend coming up. We're actually now we're not we're actually not running the pro or the pro circuit which would be the two-thirds of the oval we're actually running an infield section only um a combination of the of the east course and the south course actually um so we're actually not going to be on the oval we're actually going to be down in on the actual infield along with the fans and so on and so forth so that's the kind of experience they're going to have um but to mention to that, we when we, for instance, when we went to a place like Mid Ohio, um, we were with the Formula Race Promotions, which is FRP, um, which are part of the USAC series. Um, that would be like the indie, the Formula Atlantics, the Pro F two thousand cars, the Formula Ford cars, um, and when we were there. It's great for us because we can't lay any rubber, and our car, our tires don't get crazy hot. So what happens is we end up picking up a lot of the rubber from those cars. So it, it's great for us. You you know our cars won't lay any rubber, but we'll pick it up, and um, it's actually what makes running on these tires so cool is because they'll slide around. I mean, you can go four wheel drift in these with these radials on, and um, if one person's experiencing the problem everybody's experiencing the problem so that's that's one of the really really cool things about running that this this wheel tire package with the challenge cup series and jack i think you would agree with that
2: oh absolutely yeah i mean it's a blast and you know as dave said we all experience the same thing um you know we've been in a few rain races and (laughs) they are not you know the, the most ideal rain tire but it's what we have it's what everybody has and we go out there and yeah we keep it on track um,
3: somehow get to the end right exactly uh, hey frank i'd like to add one more thing about the challenge cup series Yeah, um, go, go right ahead we, we've actually gone and i can't i i i, I I'm, I'm really upset i forgot to mention this we've actually have a very very outgoing international series we actually sent um four drivers earlier this year to run at interlagos with um formula v brazil um we also sent um four or five drivers to south africa to run with formula v of south africa um is that we the, actually is
0: that the old kailami circuit
3: uh, I'm uh, Jack,
2: yeah they did kaila they did kailami and um i can't think of the name of the other one offhand yeah um but they had they ran two two circuits in South Africa and then they ran well um, and then they that was in November and then yep. they went to Interlagos in Brazil for the their opener. There's I think five that went to South Africa, three that went to Interlagos, and then we mm-hmm. just sent another uh, U.S. driver to Interlagos uh, maybe two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Fiftieth um, birthday and, and
3: party. Yeah, that was the Formula V 50th birthday party in Brazil, yes. um, and we have we have drivers, and there's been talks of go <laughs> to Ireland and into Europe and running Formula V there as well, and not to mention, we also have their drivers come to the United States, so we actually crowned a Brazilian the Challenge Cup Series champion. At um, Pittsburgh, Marillo um, um, Grandino Latore um, actually won the Challenge Cup Series championship at Pittsburgh. Um, he came from Brazil; it was his first time driving on some of these tracks. And I mean, the kid just flies. And um, so, it's definitely a shout out to the this series and what they're trying to do internationally, what they're trying to do locally with within the Northeast of the United States. Um, and it, it's 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 pretty cool so we just encourage people if you know they get a chance to go to the website check it out you know like our facebook page and you know see if they if anybody's interested in coming out to a weekend as jack says there's a lo- enough maloney racing cars that we can probably add somebody to the crew without any problem yeah so. and,
2: and if, <laughs> if i if i can add um you know our, our formula v's are obviously different than a brazil formula v or south africa formula v so you know, it, it's more of a, you know, we borrow, we fly there, we borrow a car, and, you know, it's something that we've never experienced, and we hop in it and go. And, and the drivers that are coming in here, uh, like Marillo did, he came to Canada, uh, him and uh, Gabriel Silva, and they've, you know, never been in a U.S. or Canadian spec formula, and they both did very well. Uh, Murillo ended up getting sponsored for the whole series, and he missed some of his own races in Brazil, and he's made it to every one of our events And he's, I believe he's been on the podium every event, um, the guy that, you know, is racing against other guys that have 30 years of racing experience in Formula V and it's, you know, it's a different car than what he's used to. And he's just been fast from the beginning. Um, and then, you know, they're doing, um, there's a couple of cart, uh, go-kart kids that are going to oh, be Oh, that's right, you know. Jack. Good job. Um, one of them uh, is Ian Hornish, I believe. He's uh, related to Sam Hornish, who you guys mentioned earlier. Uh, I believe Sam's an uncle of his, and this is his first time you know, getting out of a cart and into a true open-wheel car. And we also have Michaela Marks, who her father, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, is... Um,
0: Justin Marks? Alec-
2: uh, Alexander Rossi's crew chief. Oh, okay, uh, all right. And so he's, uh, at least he's, uh, he has ties to um, Andre. So, you know, it's just some, some other names that can hopefully put us, you know, more on the map than we already are. And, and there's a lot of big things going on with, with uh, Challenge Cup. And like I said, it's, you know, in doing this, being around it for 30 years, this is the first I've ever seen it like this, and, and
4: it's very exciting. Yeah, so, so
2: from- I, I just
0: want to throw this out. Oh, Richard, go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, very quick. So, I mean, I must admit, Formula V is not something that I've, uh, you know, come across before this evening, but uh, from, a, you know, growing up in, in Europe and watching a lot of the feeder series and the single-seater racing in in Europe, would this be like a Formula Ford standard or Formula Renault, something in that sort of uh, region? Uh, yeah, I mean,
2: it's, it's maybe a step down. It's, similar to a formula four, you just yeah. uh, use, um, you know, everything's
3: based nice the,
2: the early, um, Volkswagen beetle. And, sure. you know, it, it's very much a momentum class. Um, so as, as Frank had mentioned with, uh, the drafting our cars, you know, we, we, certain circuits, you know, most of them, we experience a draft, but you know, some of these, these bigger, um, tracks like a Pocono or a Daytona, I mean, it, it's, you just have to stay in the draft and, um, you know, and like I said, it's momentum based, so it's a matter of, you know, keeping your foot down and going through the corners as fast as you can. We don't have a ton of horsepower where we can, no. you know, make up for our mistakes. So it's just keep your foot down and, you know, corner <clears throat> as quickly as you can yeah. and, and just be on that person's gearbox in front of you.
3: Yeah. That yeah. Cool. If- if you're not if you're not on the verge of being out of control, and this is the truth in this, and I I've driven a I actually drove a F2000 car for two years and um, ended up having a kid and some other things, so it was like put the so br- on time to go back to grassroots racing, right? So um, when I when I went to the F2000 car, it was. It was much easier to drive for the simple fact – and I'm like a almost two steps below an Indy car at this point. It had wings and so forth. And it was so much easier to drive because the power made up for my mistakes behind the wheel. I could just put my foot down a little bit earlier and get that back. In this car, um, going from Formula V to F2000 back to Formula V – it, Formula Vs are the toughest car that I've had to drive, um, for the simple fact that if you are not on the verge or the on just at that limit of being out of control, you're just not going fast enough, and that and that is absolute truth. In fact, when it comes to form, when it comes to Challenge Cup Series racing or Formula V racing,
4: I mean that sounds that sounds great. I mean that's the sort of thing. It sounds very similar in a way to Formula Ford, as I say, growing up. I mean the the big one they have there every year is the Formula Ford Festival at Absolutely. Brands Hatch, which has yeah. been, you know, guys like Jensen Button have won that. And, you know, I don't know if anybody knows Brands Hatch, but you come into Paddock Hill Bend, the, the fast right-hand downhill mm-hmm. sweep, and you see these little single-seaters with no wings, you know, almost <laughs> in a four-wheel drift going around. It's an awesome <laughs> sight. It's yeah, so yeah. much fun. Yeah, and, we... you know, as you say, that's uh, – yeah. I don't want to use the word r- real racing, but it's where, you know, you guys like your, your Kyle Larson's – they develop those reactionary skills and those natural talents to, to to learn how a car is behaving and how it's handling. And it's, yes. it's fantastic.
3: You're absolutely correct, sir. That is 100% correct. And that is 100% correct with Formula Racing. And that's, and that's truly why I know I do it, and I know that that's why Jack does it as well.
0: So, Well, guys, it's been really educational and, and fun to talk to you guys about the, um, the Challenge Cup Series. I'm looking forward to you all. You know, you guys, big weekend at Pocono, but uh, the other series that is Pocono is the uh, IndyCar series, and uh, there's a little IndyCar series news here and there. Um, uh, you know, our our good friend uh, Michaela Lotion is out of a ride, um, and we're hit a couple of the race, and uh, we don't know who's going to be in that car this weekend, or or do we, Richard?
4: Uh, I did hear <laughs> you know it was um... like
0: I mean, I, the smart money's on sevedra
4: I did hear a name, and it could well be that. Yeah, I I I, I, I sort of uh, scan-read that uh, uh, earlier this week on the internet, when I was, and I'm surprised. I mean, I, I, does this all go back to the whole uh, visa issue? And, you know, w- was it really a visa uh, issue, or, or it, was there well, other stuff going on there? Well, I mean, there's a... Is that, is that Seth? Yeah,
5: that's uh, me. Go uh, ahead uh, and
0: jump in, Seth. My, I'll let
5: you know. My, un- my understanding is uh, he is being moved from IndyCar by a sponsor to uh, work on the sports it. car program that, is correct. that they have. Right,
0: right. Yeah, he's going to, with the um, SMP Bank, which is one of the biggest banking conglomerates in Russia, who kind of sponsored him his first year in, and then the second year where he had to sit out, there were sanctions against uh, having you know, Russian money coming to the U.S., uh, then that was lifted in 2016. He was able to come back in, but they the funding was a lot less in 2017, but they wanted to keep him for the continuity of the team. Uh, now, evidently, they want him back uh, to develop a sports car program for them. And if you listen to that side of the story, it has nothing to do with his kind of rather uh, poor performance in IndyCar this year but yeah. um uh, it for me it's it's quite sad because I thought uh he was number one pretty energetic guy to talk to i mean every time i I caught him in the paddock i I always love talking to a lotion you know um he was exciting on the track, but the results have not come his way this year, so whether he's being booted out because of performance or whether this he's being you know yeah. you know his sponsors are pushing him for this sports car program uh either way the result is the same that number seven car is open for the next four indycar races and
3: yeah
0: and again like i said i think the smart money's on saavedra saavedra has been aligned with uh gary peterson for years who owns afs um and they can write sam schmidt a big check and uh and, i'll tell you sam uh, sam could use it
4: Am I right in saying that Saavedra, he's the test driver for the 2018 body kit, which is run by that team? Mm-hmm. No. I, I, no. I No, I,
0: no, no. Servia. Servia. Servia is the
3: test. Uh, okay. Guy. No, I also, Go ahead, sorry, Dave. Fine. I, I well, also ahead, read Dave. a story that DTM, it says... Um, DTM's ace, Robert Wickens, um, triggered speculation on Tuesday. I've never been to Watkins Glen or Sonoma, but I hear they're really nice in a tweet. Um, so I don't know if uh, there might be some of that um, twirling up as well. So Well, it's, um, it's not a
0: big secret that uh, Robert Wickens and um, James Hinchcliffe are great friends.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: and I, you know, I don't know how solid um Wickens uh DTM contract is, but I think that uh Hinchcliffe would love to have uh Wickens as a teammate. You know, they're they're both uh both Canadians. They they, they kinda you know grew up racing against one another. They brought Wickens in to practice the car at the Road America when um you know, Elation had a visa issue. So we'll see. But uh, I think in the end, I think it's gonna be the money talks. And you'll see Savedra in the car. But, you know, there's a couple other guys out there whose name keeps popping up. So, uh, but we'll see. But it, it, it's odd that we're just, you know, right in the middle of the week. Uh, the race is this Sunday. We don't know who's in the car. Better not.
4: <laughs> Maybe that's the email telling yeah. you who is in the yeah, car. Some, somebody yeah, somebody just emailed somebody, me. Somebody, <laughs>
0: somebody
3: emailed, uh That was Sam.
0: actually Jack Maloney just emailed me and said, "I'll be in that car this weekend."
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: because you're gonna you're gonna be at Pocono anyway, in the Challenge oh, yeah, Cup Series, yeah. you might as well, just, you know, because your son it, your Sunday is free.
3: The announcement. <laughs> the announcement will actually be that Hugh Maloney is racing in the car. That's what the true announcement will be.
0: Well, you know <laughs> I'd love to see that so uh
3: anyway. yeah, so would I,
0: <laughs> so would I so so would we all, yeah, so uh yeah, yeah, yeah jack you're you're just like me, yeah, he, he was the guy that <laughs> got you into racing, got me yep. into racing, you know, freaking stuck me and sold me on it, uh, took me to Watkins, Glen when I was a kid to watch <laughs> Gilles Villeneuve drive driving the rain when nobody else would. <laughs> And I've been a racing <laughs> fan ever since. So, uh, so anyway, so uh, so IndyCar, we're at Pocono. Um, let's go around the table, make some picks for Pocono. So, uh, I'll, I'll start with you, um, Dave. Dave, who do you like? Okay. IndyCar for Pocono. I'm
3: good on the oval at Pocono.
0: And you can't pick Rick Mears because I well, I, I believe you I'm a huge,
3: a Jack um jack jack might might like this pick um who is it ed jones uh is it ed jones yep ed jones, ed
0: jones drives the second dale coin car
3: yep yeah right and ed jones is an american driver that's that's done then ex- fairly well i think he's in the top 10 in points this year um so i hell heck i'll go with uh i'll run with ed jones and i'd like to see him get his first win and pocono seems to be a place where a guy like that you know might be able to pull one off
0: man that's awesome except ed jones is far from american he was he's, he's a, not american
3: he's, no he's who British. am i thinking of then he,
0: he's he was, uh he was born in dubai <laughs> and his family's no. rich. His family's no, rich. But I'm not. <laughs> <taking the picture. laughs> I'm a little nope. too but, 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 but he's really good. I mean, he finished. Yeah, finished he, third, he
3: finished third at Indy. Yeah. So. I just rap Maybe I grabbed the wrong name. No. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hey, make sure you edit that part out. We might. We
0: might not. I mean, this is good radio. This is good radio, <laughs> man. So Let me, great radio. Start
3: this segment over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, Dave, you cracked me up. Yeah. I, I want to have you on the show like four more times this year.
3: That's yeah, great. That's probably how, much, how many more shows you have.
0: <laughs> I don't know, because NASCAR goes all the way until, like, Thanksgiving. Great. So. so, Jack, who do you like for Pocono besides Hugh Maloney hopping in the seven car?
2: Well, other than Hugh Maloney, uh, you know, I'm a big Graham Rahal fan. You know, I'd, I'm always cheering for him, so that would be my pick.
1: Okay,
0: well, yeah, that's not not a bad pick, but uh, how many oval races has Graham Rahal won in his career?
3: One? (laughs) Not many. Texas pulled the guns out of Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's got one, so yeah. One of the best finishes in IndyCar.
0: Yep, that was a fantastic race. So uh, Yeah, it was. All right, so you got Graham Rahal. Richard, you're next.
3: I'm going to go
4: for Ryan Hunter Ray. Mm.
3: Mm, you know what? That, that That's an outside pick, but that's not a bad pick. And he's not
0: American. Floor,
4: I think, he's Woodbury yes, Woodbury he is American. He is American. <laughs>
0: he's from California. No, the, I mean, the Hondas have been strong on the ovals. I mean, Hunter, yep. Ray, Hunter Ray needs a win. Needs a win, needs a win bad. Um, so, uh, all right, Steph, who you got?
5: Uh, my pick is going to be a bit of a wild card. Uh, I'm going to go with Gabby Chavez.
0: Okay, yeah. Gobby's gonna be there with uh
5: with uh um, Harding Racing. Harding racing, yep. And and they're, they they they're, they're ran pretty they're, well by the last time they were there. They've
1: never been at Pocono
0: before. I, I'm
5: not saying Pocono, I'm saying in the last time they competed in IndyCar.
0: Yeah, they were at Texas, yeah. They're doing the ovals, yeah. Um Gobby's a good dude, man, yeah. He's uh and they're gearing up for a full season of IndyCar next year, so man, the wouldn't wouldn't that just boost their 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 uh you know 20 you know 2018 program to have them win that'd be awesome yeah so well i'm gonna go with uh a guy who ran really well at indy um in honda car i'm gonna go with alexander rossi for pocono so that that's my pick and uh with uh, no further ado we have a little bit further we have a little bit of formula one news richard
4: um, very they're in way. the middle of their uh, their summer break at the moment, so it's very very right. quiet. Um, well, let
0: me throw this <laughs> out to you by the summer break thing, okay? Just okay. on an absolute side note, I watched a little piece, um, and it was it was either Fox Sports or NBC Sports. They asked the NASCAR guys, right? Yeah. What, what would you change about the schedule? Right? Every one of them said fewer races. Right? Yep. But several of them said, we'd like a little summer break, right? Because you know, IndyCar, we've had this three-week break. Formula One, we've got this four-week break. Um, NASCAR's got no break. Um, they
5: have one off weekend in the summer. The
4: yeah, they've got one, they have no,
0: one uh, off weekend in the summer, yeah, so... But I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, because this is what the, <clears throat> this is what the drivers are saying, and they're they're actually pleading their case for their um, their crew members and whatnot. <clears throat> we, we would just I... like to have a couple weekends off during the summer when our kids are out of school to spend time with their families, to take a vacation, to do this and that. I mean, do you think um, NASCAR could survive with a summer break?
4: Oh, a hundred percent. I think it, I think it's necessary. I think it's getting to the stage where. You get to a <clears throat> excuse me, a point in the season where it almost starts to drag a little bit. You know, you've got a lot of these races back to back. And, you know, I know from a team's perspective, it becomes very, very, very monotonous. I mean, I have to sort of, I have to really think, where were we two weeks ago? You know, it's not an instant, oh, yeah, we're at Watkins Glen. You know, it's, uh, uh was that India or was that, was that Poconet? Which one was, you know, it's, it's a. Uh, And especially when you have multiple races back, you know, you start getting to this point where you're visiting tracks for a second time. Now, I think um, a summer break or a break of some sort from a sport perspective would be good. I think it would lift a lot of pressure off people and give teams a chance to take a bit of a breather, regroup and, you know, really have that final push for the playoffs. Uh, I think that would help, you know, in, in a big way with promoting the sport. And I think from a team's perspective, again, I'll I'll tell you, when I first came over and met with some of the guys at Richard Childress Racing, I almost expected that, you know, the guys that travel would alternate weeks. I was amazed when I was told, oh, no, these guys will do 38 weeks a year or whatever it is. And the pit crew guys, so the guys on the pit crew, because they uh, work Xfinity and Cup, they will go from Daytona through Homestead and have one weekend off a year. That's that's a pretty brutal schedule. That's brutal, so, yeah. Um, you know, and and some weekends where they have split weekends, they fly to one race on the Saturday and a Saturday night they fly to the Cup race and then they fly home. So you know, it's a it's a pretty tough lifestyle. Um, so no, going back to your point, yeah, I think. They definitely, definitely need um, a summer break in there. I think it'll help massively. It'll help reinvigorate the sport a little bit. Um, you know, give them something to really work on and, and build up rather than have this sort of lull that you have at the moment, which um, I think is detrimental.
0: All right. So now back to the original point of Formula One. So <laughs> where, 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 now where are we off to next in Formula One?
4: Uh, so we've got a couple of weeks out still from spa. Uh, I, a few minor sort of uh, news stories, which I guess under under normal circumstances wouldn't really take uh, any any interest. Uh, Gene Hass has been saying that uh, the the, gul- the gulf between the top three teams and the rest of the field is is I think his word is usually depressing, um, and it's not great. I know these teams do work very very hard, but unfortunately, Gene, you knew this when you submitted your entry fee. <laughs> yes, uh, you did. You know, three or four years ago. Um, if you're expecting anything different, uh, sorry, um, it it is what it is. Money talks in this game, and you know I know is putting a lot of money into his uh, into the uh, F1 project, but um, he's certainly not got a Mercedes or a Ferrari or a Red Bull budget. And uh, you know when McLaren get up there and when Renault start to uh, get up there, he can find himself slipping a little bit further down that pack. He's certainly, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong as an organization they've done very very well and um to to achieve the point scoring consistency that they've achieved in this in the first basically 18 months has been fantastic however there's a lot of people in that team with a lot of experience in Formula One. these aren't you know 200 college kids that have come straight in and, and made a competitive Formula one car they have very very good backing from ferrari they have very, very good backing from a very experienced chassis manufacturer in Dallara. So, you know, there's, I'm not trying to belittle what they've achieved, but their biggest task has been to make the team work together rather than make a competitive car. I think they've always, always had the fundamental base of a competitive car uh, with that support from Delara and Ferrari. Um, you know, where the credit's got to be is how they've worked together as a team rather than necessarily how they've actually performed. So um, did,
0: did, so Richard, do you see Haas staying there for the long haul? Cuz it's not going to be you know, it's not going to happen next year or or 2019 or 2020. But but do you see Haas sticking in there for the long haul? Cuz we we've seen other guys, you know, come and give it a, give it a go and say, "Not for me."
4: I think you have to ask the question and I guess Gene Haas is the only guy that can really answer this question, but why is he there? why is he investing his 50 60 70 million dollars a year um into the sport now obviously there is the advertising and marketing for his his brand his hass automation which you know is obviously a global organization but there's the opportunity again to promote formula 1 within the us which i'm sure liberty are very very keen on and will be encouraging gene to to stick around as long as possible but it's an interesting thing you know and the good thing is, you know, Gene Hath is a racer. You see that with, uh, you know, the, the NASCAR team, and the success he's had. Will he ever achieve the same success in Formula One as he has achieved in NASCAR? No. I, I don't think there's any two ways about it, unless he gets a, an American engine manufacturer, so a, a Ford or a Chevy or somebody along those lines, who says, right, we're going to come into Formula One, we're going to buy out. Hass racing and call them, you know, Hass Ford or whatever it may be. And we're going to put in 200, 300 million dollars to make this competitive team. That's the only way I can see them, you know, long term winning championships and winning races. I can't see them ever breaking really into the top six with what they've got at the moment. Um, I think, you know, you're always going to have, as long as the other manufacturers around, the likes of Ferrari, McLaren. Williams, to a certain extent, even though they're on a, still a relatively small budget, they have the experience. You know, obviously, Red Bull, Mercedes, you know, Renault, if they up their game, they're always going to be the five or six or seven marquee names in Formula One that will be above them. And to a certain extent, again, they benefited the last couple of years from underperformance by the likes of McLaren and Renault and being able to get ahead of them in the standings, not because has have produced a world beating car is because the other teams have underperformed a little bit. And as those teams up their game, they'll be able to put in three, four, five times the budget that has can. And I think they will start to slip back. And I hope, because I think it's great for the sport to have this American interest. And I think it's great for the sport to have new teams, but they've got to realize that it isn't always going to be this good. They are going to struggle at times. And um, you know, I hope that he's got the patience and he's got the financial backing and he can bring in other sponsors that will help support him. Because at some point, you know, his share, I don't know the structure of Hass Automation. I don't know if he is the sole owner or if the shareholders of that group. But at some point, you know, they're going to turn around and say, you know, we can't be throwing money at this. Um, so I think that he's putting himself in there with the hope of getting a backing from a, a major car manufacturer. Yeah, and,
0: and I wonder because he, you know, recently switched his NASCAR team to Ford. I wonder if Ford wants to jump back into Formula 1 with uh, cuz you know, Ford Ford does own Cosworth this day and age after Volkswagen bought it and sold it back to Ford, so I we might see it, we might not. I don't know, but uh I, I It's an I, interesting I, thought. Yeah, well, yeah, and, you know, the day the day he switched his uh Cup teams to Ford, I wonder if it has something to do with Formula
3: 1. Does Frank, does does Multimatic have anything to do with the Ford name now, or is Multimatic a separate entity?
0: I want to say that's a separate that, entity, uh, but but don't wasn't quote down that. Quote wasn't me that, on that Cosworth? Well, see, Cosworth was part of the the whole Rover package, or the you know the, the British Leyland package that uh, Volkswagen purchased several years ago, and then Volkswagen. Okay portioned it off they sold um they kept rolls royce for themselves they sold cooper to bmw they sold Cosworths back to ford I- i'm not sure where that particular brand ended up mm-hmm. but uh you know volkswagen bought that whole thing and uh you know volkswagen made a mint on that deal that's for darn sure yeah. but not uh cool. yeah but uh yeah i, I you know so, somewhere in the back of my head you know when when um you know you know, Tony Stewart and Gene Haas to move their NASCAR team to Ford shortly after they jump into Formula 1. I just I'm just wondering if there's you know cuz cause, cuz cause there, there's not a big American manufacturer in Formula 1 right
4: now. No, and and you look at I guess the last time you really saw this was when um you had the Stewart-Ford team being bought out by Jaguar and um you know the, the Ford at the time Ford owned Jaguar, and right, they put right. uh, Bobby Rahal in in Bobby Rahal, yeah. Uh, that uh, that that worked out really well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because Bobby, <laughs> Bob,
0: Bobby's back in IndyCar.
4: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I again, I'm sure Liberty. I'm sure now with Liberty owning it, they you know they want the I don't know what the official number is now. The big, the largest, or the second largest. Vehicle manufacturing country in the world to have a bigger representation in Formula One. They, they need it for it to be a world championship. There has to be a greater interest here. There has to be, and they will be doing everything they can to encourage the likes of you know. That has to be you know to, to become a prominent team in there to get American drivers in there. Obviously, you saw recently a uh, post Hungarian Grand Prix that had a test and they had a young. Uh, American driver his name escapes me right now, testing for uh, for for Haas F one. Santino, that's the guy. Yeah, Santino Ferrucci,
0: kid from Connecticut. Yeah,
4: yeah. they will. That want. That,
0: that kid's a real deal, by the way.
4: He is. Yeah, he's yep. uh, he, he knows which uh, he knows how to pedal. That guy does. Uh, so you know, he's a potential future for for American Formula One. And again, you know, to get it. A, a, a a chevy or a ford or one of these big marquee brands that is globally recognized involved in the sport would be a huge huge boost to the sport and as long as they committed to it as well and didn't do the sort of you know sort of dip the toe in the water and you know make a half-hearted effort at it like we've seen in in recent years
0: absolutely well guys you know we are like way over time We're like in a green, white checker, checker, green, white checker, 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 green, white checker, checker, checker. So, I I mean, it's just like a a race at Bristol. So, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. We've. Or the Mid-Ohio
5: race this past weekend.
0: Ah, there you go. There you go. Good parallel. So, uh, or Mid-Ohio last year where it rained. So, anyway, you know, I want to thank Dave and Jack for coming on the show. And, And again,. Challenge Cup Series, you know, if you if you're not watching it, um, if it's if it's coming to a track near you, uh, go and see it. If you want to see some good grassroots racing, go out check these guys out. They'll be at Pocono this coming weekend. Um, if you're if you're there with the Indy cars, they'll be running that infield road course. Um, you know, uh, you could probably uh, if you got a paddock pass, go up and say hi to some of these guys. So uh, that's awesome. Um, Richard, Seth, thank you again. Um, I always enjoy talking to you guys. Gray, I missed you this week, but, uh, we'll have you back on next week. And, um, to our listeners, I appreciate each and every one of you, and we'll talk to you in a week. Good night. Who?
3: Who?